0: Welcome, everyone, back uh, to another edition of BAMS Radio here on this Sunday. I'm your host, Judy Armand. We're going to wrap up a day 2021 spring football 2021 for the Alabama Crimson Tide. And, of course, it's going to be some great conversation tonight. It's going to be, of course, myself along with the usual two uh, cohorts that do such a great job with us, Thomas the Wizard Watts in the city of Mobile, uh, in the Port City, uh, keeping us running here, producing this show also giving his uh, takes and some great analytics and numbers and also just uh, some observations that he saw from A-Day and William Redfish Barger, of course, from uh, 1989 to to, uh, to, to 1993, a key member of the Crimson Tide a national champion in 1992. We always enjoy getting his takes uh, from what he saw from the Crimson Tide. And it was kind of a pedestrian A-Day game yesterday, low scoring, Low scoring, more low scoring than usual, 13 to 10. Uh, you know, as uh, the uh, white beat the Crimson uh, over in A Day uh, in Bryant Denny Stadium. Uh, but uh, Bryce Young, the MVP, not really a surprise for me because after what we saw, uh, I was able to see the second scrimmage, didn't see the first, but what we heard, uh, and what I know William heard. Bryce Young was the number one quarterback, uh, you know, uh, far and away. And so. It was going to be a situation where I felt like Bryce would be featured in the game. They're continuing to you know, build his confidence. And I thought, honestly, there'd be some more scoring. So To me, that was, a little, that was encouraging because I, I, we've said defensively they were ahead of the offense with all the talent that had to be uh, you, know, uh, you know, replaced on that side of the ball. But it was, again, some interesting action inside Bryant-Denny Stadium. And I thought a lot of great young talent we were able to see on both sides of the ball that you're going to see this coming season and then continue to develop for future seasons for Alabama football. But I'm going to welcome in my two cohorts Thomas Watts and of course, William Redfish Barger. And William, I got to tell you, man, uh, it was, it was uh, really interesting to see some of those young players inside Bryant Denny stadium yesterday. I personally, in my opinion, you know, I've been following Alabama football for a long time. You put on the uniform I don't know that I've ever seen as much linebacker depth as we as we've seen at Alabama right now.
1: No, and and you know I, I think that you know I think you really saw Jalen Moody um, cement at least going into fall camp. You know the other inside linebacker job I thought yesterday was might have been his best performance, um, albeit it was a vanilla controlled scrimmage but I, I really thought he would did a great job of you know dropping into coverage keeping an eye on the back side of the backfield um, you know filled the hole I was very impressed with him um, on the defensive side of the football you know obviously um, Braswell is going to be you know hell on wheels as an edge rusher um, you know once Allen and Anderson cycle out of the program, but. He's got to keep getting a little bit bigger and add some weight so he can set the edge in the run game if he wants to be a three-down guy. Um, but, you know, the the two guys that I guess that, you know, impressed me, I, I was, you know, expecting to be impressed with Bryce Young. There's there's a reason mm-hmm. he was the number one quarterback in the country two years ago. Um, but, but as far as, you know, that goes, I did find it interesting. I don't know if you've had a chance to – you know, see the ESPN broadcast, but right about the time that good old Ohio State Homer um, Joey Galloway started making mention, well, maybe he's not tall enough to, you know, see over the lineman and see the middle of the field. You know, he hit that seam pass to, lie to Um and that shut little Joey up. Um, I, I think I think Herb Street does a much better job of being unbiased and. You know, certainly I think he's a big Nick Saban fan. But um, I was impressed with Latu and Billingsley. Um, I was impressed with Roy Williams. But the one guy that I just got blindsided by, and I'm going to tell you right now, um, I'll be shocked if he's not in the four or five wide receiver um, rotation in in a four or five receiver set. But that true freshman, Hall, Mm -hmm. is nasty.
0: Yeah, he's a dog. Absolutely dogman. nasty. Yeah, he, he really is. I mean, I was very impressed with him. I think you remember me saying last week, uh, I thought at the scrimmage I saw that he was the best of the freshman receivers. Now, he had a drop or two, but every time he came back, and he would make a play, and he's got some grit to him. And as you saw that yesterday, William, I mean, he had some plays called back that he made that were unbelievable. But he made a great catch of a Braxton Barker throw. I mean, you heard – and one of my favorite parts of the game, I, you probably enjoyed it as well, is they had Saban mic'd up and they let him, you know, answer questions during the action from, you know, Herb Street and Joey Galloway. And he was talking about Hall, saying, you know, we got to get him where we can move him around. He's one of the most explosive guys we got on the team. He's definitely going to have a role. I mean, I knew – I had already heard Bill O'Brien had taken a liking to him. And, and he's just a playmaker. He's, he's a taller guy, six foot three, but he does have some speed. The thing that strikes you is that his his body control and his hands. I mean, even if he drops one or two, I mean, he still gets his hands on a lot of balls. He he was on the sideline making tremendous catches. That catch with Braxton Barker, was on his back. He had another catch called back on on a nice throw. He was a little underthrown, but he made a a nice throw in coverage or catch, excuse me, in coverage from Paul Tyson. So. I was just really impressed with the jai. I definitely agree with you. I think he's gonna be in the top, you know, four guys, no doubt. Um Sean Holden had nine catches for eighty nine, but he had the most drops. You know, he caught he he dropped a touchdown early when Bryce made a nice throw in the back of the end zone across his body. It was low, but it had to be. He needs to catch that. And then he dropped one on the sidelines. But certainly, you know, he, he's been in the starting three. Now I don't know if he will be in the fall because we certainly understand that John Mechie and Slade Bolden will be, uh, and probably Javon Baker. Bolden's probably going to have to bust his tail to stay in that top five because I think Ajayi has a chance to pass him. But, I mean, but that's a good problem to have, and they still don't have JoJo Earl on campus. We didn't see much of Christian Leary we uh, or, or Ja'Cory Brooks as far as getting targeted in the game. I'll, I'll be interested to see how much progress they make Going into the fall, but I really think uh, I know they would. They, Alabama's lost some unbelievable talent at wide receiver the last two years, some first rounders, but I think they've got the talent to keep this thing rolling.
1: No, absolutely. And, and you know, I, I'm not going to ding Holden um, for, for yeah. his drops. You know, that's just right. First, that's his first right. time in Bryant Denny with, you know, right with a the crowd there and stuff. But I, I thought he made up for it. I would love to have seen a. Uh, CBS SEC-officiated replay crew uh, talking about some nice body control. Um, you know, they ruled it out of bounds or whatever, but I would love to see a replay on that one-handed grab that he made. Uh, I, I thought I saw green green grass kick up underneath his toe before he was ruled out of bounds, but that's just me. Still a hell of an athletic play, whether he was in bounds or out of
0: bounds. Yeah, that was but a great player. Yep.
1: The, 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 the other thing, too, that I think we still – don't really have a feel for about this offense for 2021. You know you saw it um, a couple of times with you know the, the RPO to law 2, but where you really saw it, I don't know if you noticed it or not if you have had a chance to see the broadcast. But and I, and I can't remember what the circumstances was, but Bryce was under pressure you know, scrambled a little bit outside the pocket and stuck one foot in the ground and went back the other way. And the whole frickin' deep front seven just stood, went went to a standstill. Um, You know, I think when you, you know, piece together the five best offensive linemen, you don't have half the damn offense, you know, out with the Kung Flu, um, that RPO package, um, could be really, really nasty when you've got, you know, two athletic tight ends like Latu and Billingsley.
0: Yeah, and I remember the play you're talking about. It was an early possession, and, uh, you know, I believe it was the first possession of the game. He he got outside the pocket. It wasn't even in the progression. He faked and froze the defense and then found Roy Dell Williams on the other side. Uh, who that's was right, that's right. Yeah, and it was a like a 40 plus, 40. I think about a 47-yard play, and, and I enjoyed watching Roy Dell and Jason McClellan catch the ball. So obviously they, I think Bill O'Brien's gonna in, gonna involve the backs in the passing game. It looks like, which is good. They're they're talented players. Uh, Latu, you you said it. I mean, he put kind of cherry on top of the Sunday with the kind of spring he had to cement a place, uh, you know, amongst the offense. And then, uh, you know, uh, we know Jaleel Billingsley can play. He had some catches in the game. So. Alabama's got two really nice tight ends. I still think – he played a lot of right tackle in the game. I still think the third tight end is going to be uh, the senior, Kendall Randolph, uh, who, you know, he struggles a little bit with pass protection as an OT, but he can do fine as a blocking tight end. The fourth tight end, it could be Major Tennyson, the, the redshirt senior, but I don't know, man. I, I like this Robbie Oates. I like the way he's built. He's <laughs>
1: built.
0: He reminds me of your former teammate Patrick Hate, man, who uh, I, who I, who showed up looking like a Greek god and ended up being an NFL player. But that's kind of who Oots reminds me of. But it's funny that you mentioned him
1: because I was uh, um, when I was watching the broadcast, right? You know, I saw him come out and, and he and he you know played more of an H back role, and I'm like, who is this fifth year walk on fullback that we've got running out there? And uh, when they said his name when he was going out, I was like, good God, that's that true freshman tied in. He's already a monster. Um, but, uh, no, I really did. I mean, I, I, I thought it was, uh, you know, one of the better. Um, when you factor in the patchwork offensive lines at the first and second team level, um, you know, and you know, you, you start talking about you know the defenses that they were going against and stuff. I, you know, I didn't expect it to be high scoring, but but you saw the potential there for once again another quick strike offense that can put up a lot of points. Um, in fact, I laughed right out loud when uh, I can't remember if it was Herb Street or Galloway. They put the damn Frankie Mush Jinks on Tommy Brockemeyer. They were talking him up. And on the very next play, he just got absolutely hosed. I think it was by Braswell. Mm. Um, I'm like, that's the way. That's the way to jinx the kid. But um, I, I just I enjoyed the broadcast. It was good seeing a maybe a 50% capacity Bryant Denny Stadium, and you know the fans having a good
0: time. I, I just I, I really enjoyed myself. Yeah, I mean, you know, he. I, I was I I, got, I was a little off. But the, but, I, but the rain got out early, which is great. It ended up being perfect weather. I thought they'd get 35 40,000. I think the official attendance was 47. So they nearly hit the 50%. So, yeah, it was good to see the stadium. I mean, it was the largest crowd in, in this state uh, during this COVID pandemic. Uh, and everything went off without a hitch, no doubt about that. And let me correct something, too. Uh, you know, I, I – Hey, just barely missed. He wasn't quite your teammate. He came along right after your career, but no, no, no. He was a freshman when I was a senior. So he was okay. So he was just yeah. there was a little yeah. overlap there. He came Te- in. From- I
1: texted with Patrick uh, about two months ago. Man, he's a great guy. Lives here in Birmingham.
0: Okay, good. So I know he had a pretty long pro career as well. He played several years in the NFL. Uh, finished up with the Houston Texans, and uh, and again was a, an outstanding. Really got on the field very early. Uh, in his tied career, no question about that. So there was a little bit of overlap with you uh, and Patrick Hayes, so my initial thought was correct. but You know, and, and, then, and then the thing is, too, with this Alabama team, uh, you know, there's still going to be some Kings to work out. We'll go back to the offensive line. They used a lot of different combinations e- yesterday, even. I saw guys just trying to make mental notes. They did end up playing two guys I wasn't sure we would see. Uh J. and Cohen, who of course is a sophomore from killing or excuse me from central Phoenix City. And he, he played uh left guard and he was he was in there uh early uh, and started. Uh, he he was coming off of a he's got a bone spur play has to be dealt with now after the spring. But and then we saw Evan Neal. Wasn't sure how much we'd see of him, but gonna be interested to find out because Tommy Brown, he played in the game, both guard spots, left and right guard. When Emil Ekior comes back, you know, to me, when I'm looking at it, and I know Damian George played both right tackle and right guard, there were some that was, uh, you know, were, were disturbed by the pass rush. We've already talked about this many, many times. What's going to be the key for this O line is going to be how much the two young tackles and Saban admitted on the broadcast they're both going to be really good players, but so Williams' guys, J.C. Latham, and then Tommy Brockermeyer get by the fall because they were kind of, uh, you know, th- 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 this is trial by fire. They-, they should have been, you know, in their final semester of high school. They in- enrolled rode- early. They're trying to block some grown men. So we'll see, you know, how far they go. Uh, you know, certainly Evan Neal is going to have that left tackle spot locked up. But, you know, who is it going to be at right tackle? Is it going to be Damian George? Could it be Latham coming on? And if Damian's beating out at tackle, does he move inside at guard? Because you'll also have – to me, when Emil Ekior comes back, I think he'll go to left, and you'll have, you would have a battle for that right guard spot. And, but I think they've got good candidates. I think Tommy Brown's a, got a chance to be a good player. I think same way with JV and Cohen, and if it were Damian George, if he's not the right tackle. Uh, so we'll see, but I definitely... My, my basic point was, William, people that were grinding their teeth about the O-line, the pieces are already there. We just have to see where they play out and where they land. No, absolutely. And I totally agree with you. They've, they've got, I mean, I'll be it probably going
1: only be, you know, one guard spot and, and, and the right tackle spot that's up for debate come fall camp, but they've got a lot of, you know, once they get totally healthy and, you know, don't have the COVID issue, um, you know, in August, like they did this past week, you know, there'll be a lot of, uh, you know, people and and pieces for Doug Marone to filter through to get the best five on the field. And, uh, you know, you you rattled off all the suspects. Um, I I still think there is a better chance than not, um, especially after, you know, uh, the rest of the spring and the summer and the strength and conditioning program. I wouldn't rule out the true freshman, uh, J. C. Latham. I spent a lot of time yesterday watching him. You know, he is a lean, 315, 320 pounds, if that's an accurate weight that's given for him. Um, yeah, I just think right now he is the more, you know, ready to play guy um, between him and Tommy Brockemeyer.
0: Oh yeah, I think he's he's a little bit further along. Tommy Brockemeyer's got got to add mass and weight. I mean, and, and plus, let's understand, Evan Neal is going to be that guy. So he, he has a chance to wait and develop. But, William, I do think when you they, – they consider Echior a starter as long as he's healthy coming back. And then you've got uh, Evan Neal and then, and then definitely the leader, you know, uh, in the pivot now, no doubt uh, that, that Chris Owens is going to be the center. So it's basically going to be what they do with that right side.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I and I think too. I mean, you know, Echior's is not just a starter. I, I put him. Yeah. He's not going to be a top ten draft pick like Evan right, Neal. Right, right. But I, I think echior is is right there with Neal, as far as you know. He's going to be on everybody's um, all SEC first team, all SEC, possibly all American list like Evan Neal.
0: Yeah. There's no doubt that I think that that uh, that's going to be the case I, I I really thought William that he really improved a ton uh, over the uh off season or going into last year because I had questions about Ecuor and his weight and if he could sustain and I thought by the Georgia game and the rest of the season he played great football absolutely i I think you know and I never really you know.
1: I've never really had a a problem about his weight. You know, he's not a guy that, you know, looks sloppy at times, like, you know, maybe a Deontay Brown who's who's struggled with his weight or, or, you know, another guy in recent memory like Brandon Hill. I just think that he's got, you know, what I would call the donkey build um, from the waist down. You know, his ass and legs are just so massive. um, It makes him look a little bit heavy because he is so – but, but you know, for an interior offensive lineman, um, that's the way you want your offensive guards, you know, built. You want them to look like a donkey. They, that helps them, you know, generate power at the point of attack. And um, I, I really saw a lot of examples, I would say, in the latter half of the season last year. He's much, much more athletic and has better agility, I think, that I had given him credit for prior to the second half of last season. I mean, he has um, does a good job of getting up to the second level. You know, if a stunt takes place or a twist, he, he, he's got the lateral mobility to change directions and get on a guy that's scraping. Um, I, I just think, you know, he blossomed into a very,
0: very good college football offensive lineman in the latter half of last season. Yeah, I agree. No question about it. And like we said, I mean, the offense is going to have the most questions going into fall to fall camp too, because the O line's got to play itself out. I mean, we understand that Bryce is still competing with uh, two other guys, but he's the leader in the clubhouse, big at the quarterback (laughs) position. No, no, he's not. Let's be honest. No, he's not.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, of all of the questions that the LM offense has to have, that has to have answered by Gainesville week three. Yeah. Quarterback ain't one. Let's be real.
0: No, nah, it's not. Uh-uh. Well, it's more QB two. I mean, we didn't see Milrow because William, there's a you've been kind of referencing it during our conversation, but uh, the the word seems to be that Milrow and some others may have been out due to COVID. That's
1: what I heard. Yeah. But you know, look at it like this. I think this kind of puts it into perspective. You know, without you know, John Mechie without Brian Robinson with a, you know, piecemealed offensive line. And I get it, you know, the, because of some drops, because of some penalties, the point total was, you know, repressed. But for Bryce Young to be able to throw for 335 yards with the circumstances he was presented yesterday, to me, that's a big positive. You know, once he's got the starting best five offensive linemen – You know, once he's got John Mechie, you know, once that, you know, they've got a full month to get the chemistry, the communication, uh, you know, and everything down. I mean, I think this offense really has a chance to be, uh, I'm not going to say as good as last year, but I'll be shocked if it doesn't generate 38
0: points per game. Yeah, you know, (laughs) Bryce Young, A-Day MVP, Dixie Howell Award winner, 25 of 44 333 and a touchdown. That was fifty-nine yards. So who we talked about, Cameron lost to Holden, leading receiver, nine for eighty-nine. And I'm like, We've I'm not going to get concerned with drops in an eight day game. You know, Alabama fans, the thing that cracks me up, you know, and, and I cursed him. Let me be the first to say that on our pregame show over on 97.7 The zone with Scott Tyson, we had a show from 10 to 11.30. We featured Rodney Orr, we featured West Neighbors. And I sat there the whole time and said Will Reichert was Mister Automatic, was you know, uh, was had the best year in in, in, in you could argue in history for an Alabama kicker was going to go down as one of the great kickers of all time at Alabama, and he goes out there and goes two for five from the you know kicking. So I certainly gave him the you know, the Drew D nine seven seven ESPN you know curse uh, <laughs> or whatever. Uh, but again, I'm not worried about him because he didn't miss a kick. No. <laughs> until yesterday uh he kicked the 52 yarder into the wind it had the it had the length i you know the 33 yarder was kind of bothersome but if you miss a 52 and a 48 you can't worry about that uh but i you know will ryker is going to be fine they got to get charlie scott down as the new holder get that timing right you know probably gabe Pugh is the snapper so they're working on some new aspects of the special teams but i think will will be fine you know that some of the fans that only see the eight Day game they start panicking and you know Chase oh. Allen makes the forty-eight yarder, and they want to make a change at kicker. That's not, you know, how it works.
2: Uh, and let me I mean, jump in. No, I, I, I apologize. Happen. We're also yeah. talking about a unit that lost its coach midway through spring, and yeah. th- they're going to have to, in many ways, reassimilate to the new coach. So, right. uh, for me, looking at Day and Drew Williams, correct me if I'm wrong, with the new pieces there, I considered special teams just in general to have a pass because of that circumstance.
0: Yeah, and the the returns weren't live. The the worst part of it was probably the punting. but I still think Charlie will be okay by the fall. I'm not going to panic over that. And I'll be honest with you guys, I I said this to someone on the phone earlier this afternoon, and I'm not trying to sound arrogant and stuff like that, but take it as you will. I don't think Alabama's going to have to punt a whole hell of a lot. So if they're having to punt a bunch, we got props. So – I mean, if they have to punt two or three times a game, I think they'll do a solid enough job. And in the return units, JoJo Earl will join that race probably for punt returner when he gets there in May. I still like Kool-Aid back there. The kid likes the lights. He's a big-time athlete. Saban's been crawling his ass, but that's because he knows he's talented. And I think, you know, we saw Kool-Aid get a pick at corner. I think, you know, he's one of these guys when the, when the TV's on and when the lights come on. He's a gamer. I like the I like his chances of being front returner. And then I know William. We talked about this last week. I like the thoughts of on kickoff return guys like Roy Del Williams and Keelan Robinson. I think that so I think the return units, even a Jace and There's going to be plenty of talent back there for the return units. I
1: know. I know Nick Saban is going to go with his same tried and true cookie cutter recipe. It's going to piss me off the way it does every year. In a a perfect Will Barger universe, (laughs) it'll be JoJo Earl and Killian Robinson returning kickoffs. Not Brian Robinson, Killian Robinson. (laughs) Right, right. But, you know, he's going to put a steady Eddie veteran back there, you know, just like he um, he always does, and I've already prepared myself for it. And, And there again, I don't understand why so many Alabama fans are shocked that the pass protection was so shabby yesterday. Look, after going through spring practice, the defense, especially when they, they know it's, it's limited, it's going to be vanilla, it gives, in, in a pass-blocking, pass-rushing situation, the front seven 100% has the advantage Um, There's not going to be a lot of checkoffs. There's not going to be a lot of hot routes. Um, So guess what? I mean, I played in four A-Day games, and the pass blocking was a shit show in every one of them. (laughs) And and, and certainly in the time frame that I played, you know, Alabama football, it's not like we were a dynamic offensive juggernaut to begin with anyway. You know, it's not our fault that our head coach, you know, wanted us to be Nebraska with, you know, 250-pound offensive linemen. But it's a shit show every spring game with pass protection. Um, That should be something that everybody expects and is, you know, uh, prepared for at this stage of the game.
0: Yeah, they really should. Thomas, I wanted to bring you – I know you've interjected and given your thoughts a couple times, but I wanted to bring you in again and uh, and just give your thoughts on the offense. I mean, we haven't really talked defense yet, but – uh, what you saw and what you what you think offensively uh, after spring practice.
2: So for me, the thing that I came into spring is looking for ingredients. And I apologize, the dog's going crazy over here, so you'll hear him talking. But I was looking for the, like ingredients to be a good offense. But there needs to be a certain understanding amongst the Alabama fan base. The Devontae Smith... Mac Jones, Najee Harris attack of last year was statistically the best offense college football has ever seen. Um, Frankly, you can make the argument that the Alabama offense, if Jalen Waddell doesn't get hurt, you go one to four. Mac Jones, Jalen Waddell, Devontae Smith, Najee Harris in the Heisman Trophy, and you're there. I mean, that, that's not outside of the realm of possibility given what we saw. So my hesitancy with this offense is that's the standard now, and I didn't think that was a fair standard. What I saw from Bryce Young and company – is a group that has the ingredients to be a 35, 45 points per game unit. And in what, for lack of a better term, is modern college football, which I'm putting in air quotes, that's enough to win a lot of football games. And again, I apologize to our listeners. The dog's going crazy over here, and he's a Husky, so he doesn't know how to keep his mouth shut. (laughs) No, it's
0: okay, Thomas. We're good Uh and then, you know, I agree. I think the ingredients are there. I think B.O.B., Bill O'Brien is going to do fine. Uh, love Doug Marone. You know, I, I like on – this is just snippets of video, but I like what I've seen of Drew Swoboda, who's the new special teams and tight ends coach uh, from the University of Memphis. He's out of Houston, Texas, so they're going to keep Texas ties there. Swoboda is a really good teacher, so they talked about that when they interviewed him to hire him. It's unusual because they had to make a change halfway through spring and Jay Graham is gone. Uh, But, you know, probably a good change for Alabama. Uh, You know, get a grinder in there. It's a really good teacher who uh, knows how to coach tight ends and, of course, can help coordinate the special teams. I think it's probably a solid move for Alabama. And, of course, plenty of time to uh, navigate that uh, before the season starts against the University of Miami uh, in uh, Atlanta on September the 4th so uh, some I think the offense is in solid shape uh, just I'm anxious to see the young players and the young talent go out there and perform you know in a real game that's what we got to see next uh, and of course how much progress they make going into fall camp but it leads to some hunger too I don't think there'll be uh, you know a lot of uh, complacency this group uh, they, they're going to be these guys are coming along to make their own mark in Alabama football lore uh, and become great players so looking forward to that. Like we said, to me, the biggest pressure points are going to be that right guard in the right tackle spot, uh, you know, offensively. And then to see how the uh, wide receiver room kind of hashes its way out. Uh, we, we know running back is deep, uh, certainly with Brian Robinson coming back to be the incumbent, Jason McQuellen, Roy Dell Williams, uh, and Keelan Robinson, his versatility, because I don't see much drop off. I mean, there might not be a bell cow like a Najee Harris, but I think there's going to be a lot of guys, even a Kyle Edwards, who can come in and play. And we haven't even seen Kamar Wheaton get there yet uh, in May. He, he's got another. Uh, he's another guy that has a lot of speed and explosiveness. We'll see him and JoJo Earl when they get there in May. So that's a couple other pieces to add to the puzzle. But I think they're all there now. Defensively, you know, I thought that was really the story of the game. It being a 13 to 10. Uh, crim- Uh, White win over the Crimson's, pardon me. And I thought there's a lot of great young players defensively that I like. I know John Marion Latham. I've been talking about him, William, from Pickens County. He was the lineman of the game. But if I had a vote, I wasn't in Bryant-Denny Stadium yesterday. But listening to it on the radio and then going back and watching the tape uh, today, I did watch the broadcast, William. The guy that stuck out to me as a young player, and remember, We didn't see Christian Harris. He didn't play. So this guy got some first-team reps, some second-team reps. The thing that struck me is how good he was in pass coverage out in the flats. He almost picked off Bryce Young. He was in position all the time. We talked about Moody, and Moody's a senior. So Moody knows this defense. He's ready to be a starter. But this next superstar I think we're going to see is Deontay Lawson from Mobile Christian, the true freshman, number 32.
1: Yeah, he, he had a great performance yesterday, and, um, you know, I, I would say on the defensive side of the football, um, you know, it was funny to listen to, uh, you know, it's obvious that, you know, whether it's Nick Saban or, you know, I'm just going to throw, you know, Sam Petito's name out there, I don't know who it is, but it's obvious that, that Kirk Herbstreit gets some inside information from the coaching staff, because... Um, you know, as soon as the broadcast started, um, you know, he was showering love on, on Timmy Smith, and a lot of it's, you know, very deserved. But Latham, to me, was kind of the, the shocker. Um, it's just not somebody, you know, he wasn't very highly recruited. Um, I just really haven't paid a lot of attention to him, but he was very disruptive yesterday. Um, you know, they were without Fidarian and Mathis. Um, you know, certainly Will Anderson wasn't there. Um, but, you know, I I think when you start factoring in as to, you know, what makes a great defense, you know, in my opinion, I I go back to, you know, what Nick Saban taught Will Muschamp. You know, it's a line of scrimmage league in the SEC, and you're only as good as your front seven. And I think Alabama's going to have the best front seven in the SEC this year. And, you know, the, the days of, you know, being able to produce a um, really elite defense, I think hinges on just how good your front seven is, because it makes the back end of the defense's job um, that much easier. You saw that yesterday with the amount of you know QB pressure um, that, that the front sevens were able to get on the quarterbacks. But th- there's just so much young talent over there; it gets difficult to keep up with. But you know, I, I'm not saying that the, the point total is going to be the same as far as what the 2021 Alabama defense is going to rank as far as scoring defense goes. But I, I do think that they are going to have, you know, eight to nine defensive linemen. They, they've got, um, you know, four to six, you know, edge rushers that they can, you know, plug and play. You know, they're loaded. Maybe the biggest storyline of the spring might be um, the development of Jalen Armour Davis opposite of Josh Job. I thought he played well yesterday.
0: Yeah. Uh, But when
1: you're talking about the defensive side of the football, um, they're going to have just a tremendous amount of depth. Um, You know, and I think, you know, Kool-Aid could factor into this as well. But they they just got a ridiculous amount of depth at D line, inside outside linebacker, and certainly at the safety positions. Um, you know maybe the priority is, you know, going into fall camp they've got to find some guys outside of Kool Aid, you know, that can give you know Jobe and Jalen Armour Davis
0: some relief at corner. Well, and I, I I I I'm going to say something on the show tonight. I you know, and once again I was having this conversation this afternoon and it's after watching this A Day game and taking in the scrimmage last week and just seeing how, you know, things were developing. But I mean, after seeing the ridiculousness of this depth and William, you played, you know about chemistry and all this kind of stuff. I I'm not sure that Nick Saban needs to go get Henry Toa. I think Alabama's got plenty of depth and plenty of young players, especially with how Lawson's developing this rapidly. I thought DeMoye Kennedy, number 37 for Theodore, uh, C.J. Mosley's old high school, I thought he made several plays. Uh, he looked really good around, uh, you know, uh, good uh, you know, flying around yesterday. He almost had a pick as well. I mean, and then even a guy that I kind of stood on the table for, people, I think they were a little bit leery of him. Uh, you know, because he's a Caucasian linebacker. But Jackson (laughs) Bratton has has a lot of talent, too. And because, William, I went and watched this kid multiple times at Muscle Shoals High School near where I'm at. He wasn't far away from me. And so I've seen this kid several times. I know he's a lot more athletic than you think. He really showed out yesterday. Uh, You know, he caused a fumble. He recovered one. He made some really nice hits. looked, Looked pretty good. He almost had an interception of his own. Uh, I really think with this inside linebacker group, we we didn't see Christian Harris yesterday. I'm not sure that you bring in toe-to-toe with these other guys that you've got already. What is your thought on that as far as – because you also know that team chemistry is a a delicate thing. Yeah, no, it is, and,
1: and, you know, especially with, you know, the SEC dragging their feet on – you know, passing the one-time transfer rule. I mean, I think they're going to have to do it or they're going to be the only conference that doesn't pass it. But I'm with you, Drew. Um, I I, I saw Bratton several times yesterday. Um, Good athleticism, good change of direction. Um, He was very active. Um, You know, if they can get, you know, Henry T, great. If they don't, let him go to Ohio State and, you know, be the most, uh, Polynesian athletic linebacker because God knows they need some help up there at Ohio State with athletic inside linebackers. That was the biggest uh, um, you know exposure that you saw in the national championship game with uh, Werner and, and Tough Borland and all those other guys. Um, they, they were exposed um, for, for not being very athletic and, and uh, by, by the Alabama offense. But you know I, I don't care. Um, you know, if Alabama gets Henry T or JTT, I, I think they've got just a ridiculous amount of talent. Um, you know, it still has to shake out, you know, from a depth, a depth perspective at, at the corner spots, you know, behind Job and um, Jalen Armour Davis, obviously Kool-Aid showed that maybe he's going to stick at corner, you know, versus my prediction, which I thought, you know, he might have to slide into that Minka Fitzpatrick role, but, It's just ridiculous on the 2021 Alabama football team on the defensive side of the football. You know, you and me and Thomas are all guilty uh, at different points over the last couple of years of bashing Pete Golding. I think we can all agree on that. But what I find interesting is, despite our armchair quarterback criticisms, with with their performance in the back end of the season last year and into the college football playoffs and the national championship game, that, you know, one Pete Golding produced the top defense in the SEC last year. And if he was able to do it last year with the depth and the talent influx that he's got for 2021 by – October 1st, if he doesn't have the number one scoring defense in the SEC and possibly college football,
0: it might be time for us to turn the heat back up on him. Yeah, and now I'm going to let Thomas uh, give give some thoughts defensively, but I I agree. I think it's a loaded group. Uh, We'll talk more about uh, the pass rush. And
2: and talking about the pass rush, so let's talk about air quotes – modern college defensive football. I would argue that nine times out of 10, the thing that matters is organic pressure. Being able to get pressure with three or pressure with four, that makes everything easier. And, you know, the astute fan will say, well, how can you say that? That, that that's, that's very tough to do. Well, the reason that it's required to be a good defense now is that you want to have bodies clogging lanes. There isn't a defense in college that can cover Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell, Jerry Judy, and Henry Ruggs for more than three or four seconds. It just It's never been seen. The only way you defend that sort of offensive talent is by putting a Tua Tonga-Vailoa or a Mac Jones or a Bryce Young, frankly, on his butt. That's that's the one way you have to do it. I think fans should be encouraged that Alabama was able to do that in the A-Day game. But even more than that, I 100% agree, Pete Golding... And I'm gonna I'm gonna make culpa, and I'm gonna I'm gonna get me some crow pie and get me some hot sauce so I can get my my knife and fork to eat this thing with. But Pete Golding stood and delivered last year. The only time he had a problem was against the Florida Gators. And let's be realistic: the only offense that could push the Alabama offense last year statistically was the Florida Gators. That was it. And Barring a funkadelic third quarter into the early fourth quarter, Alabama was crushing them too. So, so Pete Golding was able to direct a defense that maybe it wasn't elite in the 1985 Oklahoma sense of the word, but I would argue that kind of elite defense will never be seen again. What Pete Golding was able to do was give the Alabama offense a chance. Now you look at let's play it forward, play it forward through the A-Day game and into the first part of the 2021 football schedule. Color me hopeful. Uh, I think the Alabama defense will be able to put a lot of pressure on the Miami Hurricanes against in the opening part of the season, the first game in Atlanta. And I think they'll make life real hard for Derek King. Alabama's going to annihilate Mercer. It drew, William, and I could run out on the offensive line, and Alabama will win. Then there's a interesting road trip against the Florida Gators. And you think Florida's not coming for that game? You're crazy because of the SEC championship. But as we look from the 8A game and then six months essentially forward to the Florida game, I saw a lot of guys generating a lot of pressure. Being in the right spots, being able to affect the offense in a positive way. I realize that Bryce Young probably should have had two or three touchdowns as opposed to the one he had, but the defense looks good. The defense looks like there are guys that'll be able to generate organic pressure. And once more, we're we feeling Drew and William. The thing that differentiates good defense. Versus mediocre or you know headache defense is organic pressure in today's college football. I think Alabama has that, and I think fans should be excited that they have that moving forward into this 2021 football season.
0: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I I do, I do think that you know speaking of this of the pressure, uh, you know, I I with as much talent as is in this linebacker group, especially on the edges. Uh, and then, of course, on the D-line, you know, you've heard William talk about job, Marion Latham and his development. Uh, Tim Smith, how even Jamil Burroughs, I mean, and see, and, the, and see, those guys aren't among what I call the, the starting five. And Smith, I think, will be in short order. When you look at it, you look at D.J. Dale, he's going to have to hold off Smith. But you got D.J. Dale, you've got a Boyd uh, you know, you've got Byron Young, and then you've got LeBron Ray and Fadarian Mathis, who you hadn't, you hadn't seen all spring. So, you've got – and then even Stephon Wynn flashed yesterday. So, you could argue that's nine guys. So, they're going to have some dudes in the, on that D-line that can, you know, they can, I think, apply some organic pressure without blitzing, get after the QB, but especially on the edges. We did see Chris Allen yesterday a little bit, and he's had a tremendous spring. We did not see Will Anderson. That's the best combo in college football. But the, And we didn't see Drew Sanders. Drew Sanders did not participate in the 8 day game, but he had a really good spring. We saw King Makuta. And then we saw the dude who really the last two scrimmages, William, kicked the, the, so much ass they're going to have to create a role for him, probably in a rabbit package. But 41, Chris Braswell, the former five-star from St. Francis, teammate of Shane Lee's. I think he had six sacks the last two scrimmages five or six, and that dude is a third-teamer along with Juan Darius Robinson who made some plays yesterday. This is going to be a, a defense that should be able to pressure without blitzing. No, absolutely. And, and, you know, Braswell
1: is, you know, he's twitchy. He's got the body lean. Um, you know, he's got all the intangibles to beat. Um, an elite pass rusher, you know, what he's got to continue to work on. And, you know, I'm sure the, uh, the strength conditioning staff are going to get him there one day. But, you know, if he wants to become a three-down guy, he's got to continue to get bigger. And, and you know, certainly, you know, his body, um, you know, type, at least on the hoof, you know, says that he's a hard gainer and he's, he has trouble gaining weight. But as far as being an edge rusher in the rabbit package, it wouldn't shock me to see him out there, um, you know, in the fall of 2021. I mean, he, he, he gave everybody problems yesterday, um, it, whether he lined up on the left tackle or the right tackle. It, it didn't matter. Um, you know, I think Alabama's got, you know, obviously Drew Sanders can do that. Will Anderson can do that. Uh, Chris Allen can do it. But, that that that's what I think is going to be intriguing about the 2021 defense. You already described the, you know, nine to 10 guys along the the defensive line that they can rotate in and out. They've got that much depth at edge rusher. They've got that much depth at inside linebacker. You know, they've got that much depth at, at both the safety spots. But, you know, to me, the only question mark on this 2021 defense is, You know, you've got Josh Jobe, you've got Jalen Armour Davis, you've got Kool-Aid. You know, there's got to be one or two more guys that emerge, you know, to play boundary corner. And, um, you know, they've got the month of August to work that out. But um, there's so many bodies down there, it gets confusing trying to keep up with them. Um, But that's
0: a good problem to have if you're Pete Golding. It is, and I agree with you. You know, there was some thought that Jalen Armour Davis may have been the one to uh, make a mental error on that play to Cameron Lodge on the the touchdown. But even if that were the case, he bounced back. I thought he played outstanding. Uh, He's really had a great spring, and people didn't talk about him much uh, to start it. I mean, he almost opted out last year. There was some thought he might transfer, but he stuck with it. I think Saban admires that. He's definitely staking a claim to starting. You know Marcus Banks that flashed in the last scrimmage uh, on uh, a week ago had two picks, including a pick six. He'll be competing as well uh, going into the fall camp, no doubt. But you're right, Kool Aid had an interception. Coach Saban's been riding him, but be- I think because he sees the talent and he knows he can be a factor. So and then Kyrie Jackson, the junior college transfer, the freak out of East Mississippi. How quickly can he catch on? Where is he going to start pushing? Uh, to earn a job. Certainly, Job is locked down the other. I really like where the safeties are. DeMarco Hellams had a game-high 12 tackles yesterday. He's really physical. The guy behind him, Christian Story, had a pick of Braxton Barker. Now, he fumbled on the return, but they were able to recover it. But he's a a fine young player in his own right. But you've got Brian Branch, and you'll get Malachi Moore back in the fall. I think you've got plenty of talent, Uh, even – Even uh, the green-haired bandit, Daniel Wright. So, I mean, I think (laughs) Coach Saban gave him one of the I Like to Practice awards. So, obviously, as a senior, he's taking things seriously. Uh, I've, 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 you know, lamented his lack of physicality at times, but he should know the defense backwards and forwards. So, there's depth everywhere. And so, they're going to be able to, you know, really have iron sharpening, iron guys competing. But, you know, I guess that the, you're right, William. The one job up for grabs is going to be that boundary corner, going to be the guy opposite Job. But it's going to be interesting to watch it play out. I mean, and uh, again, they, they, that will take care of itself. But uh, once again, as I've said, the pieces are there. They don't need to go into the portal. They don't need a, uh, you know, if Kyrie Jackson come in, comes in there and, and has an F from Thomas, you know, impact, well, so be it. Uh, we, 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 th- that would be great but it's not needed. He can develop at a slower pace if needed uh, because, you know, Alabama is going to have, you know, guys that are there ready to, uh, to compete and ready to uh, win that job that had, that had great springs. And it would probably be good to see a guy like Jalen Davis, who Really, honestly, people forget he was a four-star recruit out of St. Paul's of Mobile. He was heavily recruited. But what happens with fans a lot of times, if you don't come to Alabama and catch on quick – and, and make a huge impact as a freshman or even sophomore, you kind of get forgotten about. But I've always said this about Nick Saban. If he keeps you in the program, there's a reason for it. Uh, if you continue to grind, you, it's kind of like the Mac Jones effect. You get your – or a Nick Gentry, somebody like that. You're going to get your chance to shine if you stay in the program. And certainly, I think Jalen Armour Davis is one of the guys that's doing that. And so, I just think what we're really seeing, William, and – I know this sounds like blasphemy because they've recruited at such a high level under Nick Saban during his entire 15 years. But to me, since 2017, recruiting has gone to another level. And we're starting to see, even though Alabama lost some transcendent talent off of this past year's team, probably my favorite team to watch, this is as much young talent as we've seen in the program in a long, long time. And it really makes it exciting going into that opener against Miami on September the 4th.
1: No, I agree. And, and you know, what it sounds like is uh, I'll, I'll never forget this because I normally don't go do this, but this would have been probably Drake Kirkpatrick's second or third year on campus. Right. And, I went and listened to Nick Saban's speech after the AA club scrimmage um, that I was at, and, you know, it, it, this is the point that he made, and, it, you know, it stuck with me. And it sounds like he's doing the same thing to Kool-Aid that he did to Drake or Patrick. Um, he, he made the point that, you know, hey, I get all these, you know, four- and five-star recruits, and, you know, guess what? I've got the keys that controls how much they play. And, you know, if if Drake or Patrick, you know, in this particular instance, doesn't want to act right, doesn't want to go to class, doesn't want to go to study hall, doesn't want to go to workouts, I get to control how much he plays. So I've got those keys. I'm the one that controls that. And it sounds like he's doing the same thing to Kool-Aid, which – isn't a negative. It's the way that Nick Saban gets control of these, you know, four- and five-star recruits that, that, you know, have, you know, egomaniacs um, surrounding them, you know, with, with their ability and their recruitments, which you, you, you can't even imagine what, the, what these kids go through from the recruitment process. But I, I'll share this with you. Um, I'll never forget this as long as I live because I've had so many people, you know, come up to me, you know, through the years talking about, well, you know, you played on that same team where Antonio Langham and, and you know, George Teague were first-round draft picks. And they were like, you know, how are those guys as good as they were? And I'm like, well, it's real simple. You could line up Jeremy Nunley at nose guard, John Copeland at one five technique, Eric Curry at the other, and they could get an organic pass rush in 1992. Right. Um, if those three guys couldn't get an organic pass rush, then Brother Oliver would walk up Antonio London and Lemansky Hall. Then all of a sudden there's five guys coming at you that nobody can block. And I think that's the same situation that Pete Golding's got going into the 2021 season. He is, you know, something that, you know, Thomas and and me and you have talked about, you know, to where blue in the face about, you know, generating an organic pass rush. I think good old Pete Golding is going to be able to dial that stuff up this year, just like Bill Oliver was in 1992.
0: Well, I'm going to bring Thomas, the Wizard Watts, back in. He wants to comment on how recruiting has changed and really almost gone to another level under Alabama the last few years.
2: And, and I was going to – I was really going to a culpa. Um, Pete Golding, when he doesn't have inside linebackers that – I mean, they weren't ready. Um, Shane Lee wasn't ready. uh, uh What's the Christian guy in Harris. Dime? Christian yeah, Harris. Christian wasn't Harris, ready. Mark Hale Benton wasn't ready people. for the Dime Package. Now, for whatever reason, whether it's Shane Lee's too young, Benton couldn't process, I don't care. But, you know, frankly, Mark Hale Benton's a meme around me. Like, there, there, there's PTSD and then there's Mark Hale Benton Dime Package. If you bring that up to me, I'm just going to start twitching and, uh. and, and just freaking out. But, uh, William's 100% correct. And... and it's the notion of i want fans to understand what pressure with 4 or with 3 or in some situations with 5 means college football's rule set you know 3 yard downfield blocking which is in effect 5 yards because it's impossible to officiate properly you know you want you want to fix these rpo schemes Make it one yard downfield like the NFL and be more strict with it. But anyway, college football's rule set is such that as a defense, you have three seconds. You need to be able to affect the quarterback in three seconds and force him to throw the ball or you're lost. We've seen that. You know, Trevor Lawrence was able to do it to Alabama when the 44-16 game came. Uh, We saw it where Justin Fields was able to do it to the Clemson defense this past year. We've seen it where Kyle Trask was able to do it to Alabama's defense. And to take up for Alabama's defense, the defenders were in the right spot, but Kyle Pitts or, you know, Kadarius Toney were just monsters, and they made plays. But that's the name of the game, and you look at Alabama recruiting. What do we have? What are we looking at again? Frankly, I think if Christian Barmore had come back, he wouldn't have been into the first round, second round pick. He would have been a Quinn and Williams top five pick. If I had been his advisor, I'd say come back because money, you know, that's just dollars and cents. He decided to move on. All right. What does that mean for Alabama? It means they need to find interior pressure. Well, to answer that question, you have to look at other questions. Does D.J. Dale's knee stand up well enough? I think it's a possibility. Let's take a look at it. But if he doesn't, then Timmy Smith, interior pressure. And then exterior pressure. And when I say exterior pressure, I mean somebody as a a lighter defensive end who flexes out on the strong side or a Jack linebacker in the Will Anderson, Chris Allen mold. Allen has got exterior pressure. The only thing that's left to worry about is do some of the guys in the interior come out? When I look at it, Alabama's got dudes all across that front four, whether it's defensive tackles, nose tackles, defensive ends, or jack linebackers. And that's a good spot to be in, particularly in light of the fact that Pete Golding for – I know I dogged him on BAM's radio – But for all of the stuff that he was able – that he had to endure from us and other portions of the fan base, he had a good defense last year, which made me think he might know what he's doing to a different level than I realized. And now, really, he's got the full deck. He's got three years to get his kind of guys into his defense. I realize it's Nick Saban's defense, but Pete Golding's going to do certain things a certain way. So – I feel conf- I feel hopeful, trending on confident, that the Alabama defense as a unit, whether it's the front four or the three linebackers or the back end, particularly, you know, you guys talked about Jordan Battle, are going to be able as a unit to carry this Alabama football team as some of the ingredients that I mentioned in terms of offense, get themselves together, get straight, get some game experience. So, yeah. When I talk about recruiting, I mean, Golding's been there long enough to create some things that you have to feel confident with as an Alabama football fan, Drew.
0: Yeah, it is. And, you know, we're, we're going to wrap up BAM's radio here in a few minutes. Uh, you know, but I, I think overall it was a really good spring. It was just great to get things more back to normal, uh, to have 47,000-plus fans in Bryant-Denny Stadium. Uh, to, to, to see them go through three scrimmages, to go through, you know, the majority of spring practice. We you know, we believe there may have been some COVID issues heading into A-Day this year, but hopefully the vaccinations are going to help get past all that by the fall, uh, and we're going to have full stands. Uh, you know, that's what we, what we what need. We need things back to normal, you know, back to normal press boxes where you can cover this football team. And because it's going to be fun because, uh, you know, Alabama, they, ha- they made a lot of staff changes on offense. Holman Wiggins is the only returnee. So they're all having to really relearn Nick Saban's, these new coaches of his offense. They're going to have a whole offseason for that. So they'll be even more comfortable come fall camp. Fall camp's going to be really fun to see the competition. Uh, no question about that. Uh, and then, of course, you know, as we said, going into fall camp for me, Alabama, we're going to see how the offensive line hashes out, especially that right side of the offensive line. If, as expected, Emile Eckior is at left guard for the tide. So the right guard, right tackle will play itself out. Certainly, the punting needs to improve. We'll see where Charlie Scott is, if he's healthier. Uh, you know, if Sam Johnson or Ty Pirine you know, push for that, you know, where, if William's right about kickoff return, uh, or will we see a Brian Robinson back there or a Vet? I hope we see, personally, Keelan Robinson and a Roy Dell Williams, some younger players back there, or potentially a JoJo Earl. Though I think JoJo Earl will be competing with Slade Bolden and be competing with Kool Aid McKinstry to be that punt returner. Uh, and then defensively, certainly, uh, you know, that boundary corner spot, the corner opposite Josh Joke. We'll see who wins that job. Uh, you know, uh, it's certainly Jalen Armour Davis' stake to claim. Marcus Banks will keep competing. We will have now have Kyrie Jackson on campus. We'll have both him and JoJo Earl. Two more pieces of the puzzle. And in the coming weeks, uh, you know, just keep your ears to the ground for future episodes of BAM's radio. If a Henry Toa Toa happens to, you know, come, if they pass this rule as expected for the interconference transfer, if Alabama pursues him and continues to, and he comes to Alabama. We will certainly bring you a show to discuss that and that impact. Also, JT two of a moal oh, that will play itself out into June because it looks like June the first. The NCAA Mark Emmert came out saw his shadow, so he's going to actually do something. They're going to reinstate uh, being able to visit for these young men. So the dead period will be over June first. So we will definitely, you know, be keeping our ears and uh, to the ground and our eyes open. If there's a lot of if there's a flurry of commitments, recruiting-wise, or if there is some additions uh, via a JTT or especially a uh, you know a uh, interconference transfer of a Henry Toatoa, we will definitely bring you our thoughts. But this Alabama football team, I don't really think they need either young man. I think both would be icing on the cake. Uh, I don't blame them for pursuing them. Both are elite talents. Uh, you know you don't ever want to turn down the J.T. Lamo out, a guy that by 2022 be a big part of that defensive line rotation with guys like Fadari and Mathis moving on to the NFL, potentially adjusting a Boybee B or a Byron Young also. So again, uh, and a LeBron race, you're going to lose some pieces so you got to keep adding, but certainly the, the outlook for this Alabama football team is still very bright. I think they're going to have as good a roster still as any in college football. And that's saying a lot. When you lose Mac Jones, Landon Dickerson, uh, when you lose Najee Harris, Devonte Smith, a peerless wide receiver, a Jalen Waddle, But I think Alabama is well on their way to uh, plugging all these holes, no question about it, and having a chance to win, you know, National Championship 19 under Nick Saban. He's already won six in 12 years to soon probably have the field named after him at Bryant-Denny Stadium at Nick Saban Field. Certainly that's got to be inevitable. But what a job he's done. And just really look forward to seeing this uh, the storylines develop as this offseason continues. And the, the biggest thing also I took out of spring, guys, is there was no big-time injuries for Alabama that we know of, uh, and that's a welcome sight. That's another, you know, true credit, William, to, uh, to Dr. Matt Ray and David Ballou.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think those two guys are, you know, continuing to fly under the radar as to, you know, how valuable they are for this 2021 football program, um, you know, when you saw the numbers come out at the end of last season where, you know, I, I think the percentage was they had 42% less, you know, lower leg injuries than, you know, any other program in college football. Um, that, that's all you need to see about these two guys. Um, they they're, they're they're witch doctors, you know, if that's the right word to use. But um, I think having, you know, a, a powerlifting coach and a, and a speed and performance coach, um, you know, kind of doing a, a double-headed monster, um, you know, with the Alabama football program is undeniably just off the charts. And, and they've proven that with the numbers they produced.
0: They really have. Let me jump in. And Thomas, I, I, wanted, I,
2: you to, I wanted you to, to give some closing thoughts too. So, so I'm going to push back on the notion of witch doctors, and it's because I'm in the Raya Blue world every day professionally. So what's going on when we talk about strength and conditioning, or really – we talk about bioinformatics, and when I say bioinformatic, bioinformatics, I mean the data that your body generates when it's doing work, whether it's you know what I can get out of my smartwatch when I'm kickboxing or what Rhea and Baloo can get out of the Alabama football team as they're going through a workout – are going through practice. The reality is that there is a certain level of competence when it comes to reading and understanding that data. And it's not something that you see a lot of. That's enormous value in both the industry I work in when it comes to data science and what Rhea and Baloo do as athletic trainers. I say this with all respect in the world. These guys are on the cutting edge of understanding what is traditionally a lift until you barf athletic system to say you don't need to lift until you barf. You need to lift until you get to this point because that's what your body is telling us. Now, when you look at a human body, it's uh, 200 and change bones, a ton of muscles that work together to generate a certain amount of force. Those muscles need to be worked in a certain way to make sure that players are at the best they can be to do the things they need to do to be successful on a football field. From a 10,000-foot view, I don't know a group of people. Uh, two guys, three guys, four guys that are doing it better than Rhea and Baloo. I don't. And we're cha- we're, we're kind of jumping into my world, the data science world, when I say I don't see it from other college folks. So it's not voodoo. It's the next wave. And I hope fans can take solace – Maybe you don't know the mathematics. Maybe you never took partial differential equations in college. That's okay. You don't have to do that. What you can take away from it is there are people like Rhea and Baloo who can pull the bioinformatic data off of the Alabama football players and get the Alabama football team to be the best it can be. And by proof – by by demonstration through – you know, contradiction, you can be Rhea and Ballou, or you can be Scott Cochran who just got George Pickens ACL torn over the past three weeks, and now Georgia has all these concerns because I don't think Kyrus Jackson is a deep threat, nor do I think he's wide receiver one. That's the reality that Alabama has found. That's what Nick Saban has in, in the hopper if you're a gun person or if you're a paintball person really, and that's a great way to be. I promise it's not voodoo. It's just mathematics applied to the real world, which is complicated, and I would urge you as a football fan to just be excited that these guys know what the hell they're doing and go from there.
0: Well, no doubt, and to wrap it up, William, uh, just to, I know you just gave some of your thoughts, but... Uh, Look forward to cooking up with you down the road this off season. I know you're super excited about this team and September 4th in Miami, uh, but uh, this is, this is a, I know, and you advocated for many years for Scott Cochran uh, to be replaced and that his his methods were kind of outdated. He did a great job for Alabama, but the, the change was needed. We saw how big a change it was and the impact it really had on this COVID season. And I'm really anxious to see, what these dudes can do in a normal year.
1: Well, I mean, I think when you factor in, Drew, the, you know, the COVID situation, um, you know, all all the other, you know, health concerns that, you know, a head coach like Nick Saban has, um, you know, with a program like Alabama, you know, I think where, you know, these two guys have become, you know, the superstar that, Co- that Cochran was that wasn't really deserved is when, when you factor in, you know, the nutrition that these kids are getting. And then you've got a guy like Baloo that's basically a power lifter in disguise, um, you know, with the Alabama football thing. You know, this is the guy that's getting the guys to bang the heavyweights, for low reps. That's what you need with a football program. You you know, you need a balloon. But then Mm -hmm. you've got, you know, Dr. Raya over there doing the explosive um, performance stuff. Um, You know, I think that's invaluable um, to have, you know, kind of a two-headed monster, um, you know, for the Alabama football program. And, you know, where, where my disillusionment came in, with Scott Cochran was back in, I guess, 2014, 2015. Um, you know, when, when you would see a great Alabama football program go into the bowl season and then you would see them wilt, you know, you saw them wilt versus Clemson. You saw them wilt versus Oklahoma. You saw them wilt versus uh, Ohio state. Um, but, but but with these guys, they're they're channeling all the, um, you know, the proper nutrition, the proper, um, you know, weight, uh, you know, programs, and, and then you've got the explosion and the speed training coming from Doctor Rhea. It, it's it's a recipe for success that. I, you know, I guess I wish that Coach Nick Saban would have brought this in five years before he actually did it, because you could see it happening as an outsider. But he's done it now. Um, you know, let, let's all you know forgive him for you know what he didn't do. But the, these three guys, when you've got you know Amy Bragg over there with the nutrition. Uh, Baloo with the weightlifting and, and Rhea with the explosion speed training and performance.
0: Man, that, that's a recipe for success. It really is. And that's a great way to end the show tonight. Uh, again, we will be coming to you when uh, the, the news permits. You might just watch for us maybe about once a month going forward into this offseason because there could be enough storylines with recruiting, with Uh, you know, potential additions like a Henry Toa Toa from the transfer portal. Uh, And, uh, you know, with the offseason, you know, player movement, I mean, someone could leave Alabama. We don't don't think it's going to be anybody of consequence from a starter standpoint. But if something were to happen, we will definitely bring you that news uh, and we will continue to keep you abreast of everything that's going on in Alabama football. But like we said, going into May, going into June and July – Camp season. If recruiting really starts to crank up, you will hear from us at BAMS Radio. And uh, in the, of course, with the, any major news uh, involving Alabama football. But we really appreciate everybody being along for the journey during this difficult season in COVID. But we still had another great year of BAMS Radio. Couldn't have done it without William Redfish Barger or without Thomas the Wizard Watts. I want to thank both of them for joining us tonight for this discussion as we wrapped up A Day. And gave the thoughts, and also looked at Doctor, uh, you know, uh, Matt Ray and David Balu, and what they could potentially do. I can't wait to see how they transform some of these guys in the coming months, like a Tommy Brockermeyer, like a J.C. Latham, that we could see how much they improve going into, uh, you know, fall camp. But that'll be storylines that we're following. But we hope everyone appreciated Bam's Radio tonight. We thank you for supporting us and listening. Good night, everybody, and roll tide.